Welcome back to Disney Dependent. I'm Sarah Chilcott. And I am Elias Disney. This is getting old. <laughs> Sorry, I am Ashley Devon Froelich hyphen Macmillan. <laughs> if you could only see the look she's giving him right now. Also, it's not Devon, it's Devin. Devin. <laughs> I love to say Devon. Just a ticker off. My name is James Macmillan. Hi, James. James. Macmillan. <laughs> he spins. I spin. Disney magic makes you spin, dude. <laughs> well, how's it going? It's going all right. I've already got the mic cable wrapped around my foot. That's because you're spinning. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. That'll cool, do cool. it. <laughs> um, it's cold. It's rainy. It's stupid in Oregon right now. It is indeed stupid yeah. in Oregon right now. Yeah, I was just thinking back on our Orlando time. And boy, was it nice there. A little hot, a little toasty, a little sweaty, but I sunny. I loved it. I know. Like a steam bath with that mask. I know. When we checked the weather app leading up to our trip, I kept complaining. Like, it's going to rain while we're there. Ugh. I know. And Ash just kept telling just like, you to shut up. Dude, you don't know what it's like there. Trust me. It's going to be hot. It's tropical. Yeah. I mean, it barely sprinkled on us. Yeah. I don't even really remember that. But you said it did. I don't remember that at all. You were distracted by the magic. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and we're in mourning. Oh, what? what's that, James? It's <laughs> just in. It's 47 and showers at not Disneyland. Ooh, this is a tough one. And it's 74 degrees and sunny at Disneyland. Blah. Blah. We have an interview with John Metzdorf from Gratuitous Disney Memes, one of our favorite Instagram pages. Um, so you can go ahead and even pause this right now. Go check out his Instagram so you know what we're talking about. And uh, that's first up. And then we're going to do something real fun after that. With us via Zoom today is John from Gratuitous Disney Memes. Thank you for being here with us. My pleasure. And uh, we just officially met. But um, John, where are you? Are you on the East Coast? Yes, I'm in the Atlanta area. Okay, so that explains why most of your memes are Disney World centric. <laughs> well, <laughs> Disney World's just inherently more memeable, so <laughs> specifically Epcot. <laughs> yes. And when did you start the Instagram account gratuitous Disney memes? I started it February of last year. Okay. What was sort of the driving force? For starting that account well i was making some dumb like disney related memes and just sharing them to disney pages such as uncle walt's meme vault uh pages like that and um i said hey i like doing this so i as well make my own page and that's why cool. yeah we are constantly cracking up at the stuff that you post and it's always fun to find other people who can appreciate the um what do we call it the Disney magic? No. Irreverent. <laughs> irreverent. Oh, irreverence. Yes. Disney humor. So, yeah, it's always always good to find people like us. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I try not to take it too seriously. Like, Disney always seems to have to be one way among Disney fans and especially online. So I try to, you know, find a niche of people that don't take it too seriously. Yeah, well, we just had Nidalee. Uh, Nidalee. Wow. Nidalee. I just made up a goddamn name. Nidalee. 
That's the best name for a cat, I think, of all time. <laughs> Nidalee, come here. Come on, Nidalee. Wow. Try that again. Wow. That was amazing. It's only 4.30 here, and it feels like it's 4 in the morning. So yeah, it's been we're having a, a hard time today. Wow. Okay. I've been up since about 5, and it's 7.30 here. Yeah, that's no good. <laughs> okay, well, you have us beat. I was saying we had Natalie from Disneyland on the podcast, and that was something that we gravitated with her pretty instantly is, like you said, that you know the celebration of all things Disney tends to feel like it's supposed to be one way and it's probably the most exciting thing the past couple years about this thing is that people are finding it through their own way and i think leading up to the the covid era that we unfortunately live in people were kind of rediscovering disneyland and walt disney world in their in their own way and um people from like all walks of life are really getting into the history of the parks that i never would have thought would really get that into it. I mean, ourselves included. You know, we grew up with Disneyland and Disney. We're a Disney family for sure. But, you know, there's a long break in that kind of like obsessive part about it for us. And so to come back to it um, as an adult with my own way of celebrating Disney is been really cool. And it, so it, it feels really fun to watch other people do the same thing. Yeah, and it's also funny because I wonder if that's always been happening and we just weren't paying attention um, or if we just caught it kind of at the beginning where people are sort of enjoying Disney in a different way. Yeah. But yeah, I, I actually wanted to ask you, so this is not really on topic because that's how I roll, but <laughs> we just went to Disney World for the first time. We just got back a couple weeks ago and uh, it was incredible. Mostly the weather was just like life-changing, us being here in <laughs> Oregon where it's so cold and miserable. Um, but are you a Disney, I mean, I assume being on the East Coast, you're a, a Disney World person, but have you been to Disneyland and what do you think of the difference? I've been to every Disney park except for Hong Kong and Shanghai. So I've been to Disneyland, Tokyo, Paris, and Disney World. Disneyland, I had a season pass for for two years. Growing up, my dad worked for Delta Airlines. So anytime I wanted to go, I could just fly out to California and go to Disneyland. Uh, Disneyland, I think, is my favorite castle park of any of them. It's just basically everything there is a better version of what's at Magic Kingdom. <laughs> we totally agree. <laughs> so I, I would say that Disneyland is my second favorite Disney park after Tokyo Disney Sea. Ash just said that she's starting to obsess and dream about Tokyo Disney Sea. We always do Disneyland because it's the closest, obviously. And then since Disneyland's been shut down, we're like, well, I guess we have to fly all the way to Walt Disney World. We'll do that. And now that we've done that, it's like, well, how much further are we willing to go? <laughs> <laughs> Our next trip is Tokyo. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, that flight shouldn't be that much longer. No. <laughs> no, definitely not. When was the first time you actually went to a Disney park? You mentioned you were pretty young. I moved around a lot when I was a kid. So um, I was born in New Jersey and I lived there until I was about two. Um, then we moved to Florida for my dad's job and uh, we were just outside of Orlando. So, you know, I had the whole season pass. I hold the, had the whole Disney childhood. Um, 
we left when I was about 13, moved to Atlanta. So I didn't get to go to Disney as much as I wanted to. Um, but when I started getting older and having agency of my own money, um, I definitely <laughs> traveled a lot more and uh, went back to the parks on a yearly basis. I haven't been in a while because of COVID. Yeah. Back to the, the actual Instagram account that you are running. It's obviously based off humor. It's based off irreverent, you know, oddball humor. And that's something that Ashley and I specifically really, really appreciate about the account. And I guess I'm just curious, like, what are some of your comedy influences, if you can name any, and where that sense of humor kind of came from? Mine are just all based on dumb internet memes. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I was definitely a fan of uh, pages like Disneyland and, um, and Uncle Walt's Meme Vault, uh, Disney memes for modern teens. Definitely influenced me to start making these memes. A lot of them are based on memes that are going around right now, just tying it back to Disney. Kind of making my my comedy about things that I love, like Disney. Yeah, and, and as far as the like the origins of the comedy and and the influence for why you're doing the type that you do, do you feel like you're doing it to like to make yourself laugh? Or do you or do you have a type of <laughs> mind that you're picturing absorbing your content oh yeah no it's it's definitely just to make myself laugh i've lost followers tons of followers based on some of the memes i did a lot of political stuff and it, it doesn't matter to me because i i think it's funny <laughs> <laughs> right on <laughs> so one of the most recent posts you've done that has gained a lot of traction was the Eric Idle with Figment. And I actually just saw his tweet <laughs> that he actually mentioned you. And it's so freaking awesome. So basically, Eric Idle, the star of many Monty Python films and uh, The Flying Circus, also stars in a ride called Journey into the Imagination with Figment, which is based on a much, well, it was originally a much beloved ride then it turned into something terrible. Now it's something people begrudgingly like. He um, basically was on Twitter. And let me actually open the story right now. Somebody asked him, hi, Eric Idle. Any more plans to have future work with this fella? And it was a picture of Figment. And he proceeded to say, I loved working with Don Rickles. We had fun. Somebody said, except Don Rickles and Figment are unrelated. He said, my bad. I thought it was part of the two-headed dragon from Warner's Quest for Camelot. I had forgot about Figment. Twitter went insane. <laughs> How could you forget about Figment? What, what, what's going on? And he explained himself. To be fair, I never saw the finished thing. I just recorded voices in LA. That's another thing people went crazy about. Eric Idle never saw the finished product? How can this be? He did remember doing the creepy moon face, however. <laughs> he went on to explain, the reason I don't remember Figment is because I have never met him, she, it. I filmed Honey, I Shrunk the Audience in LA and attended the opening in Florida. And after that, they kept asking me to do more voice bits and then play a moon to a Sherman Brothers song. I never saw the ride. Another Twitter user, DreamFinder guy, who's big on the Diz Twitter, said, 
Mr. Idol, you do have actual film roles in both versions of the ride, namely the intro and to the current one. He says, Eric Idol says, both of which I filmed in LA and oddly Figment came to neither of them. <laughs> and this is where I innocently post a dumb meme on his tweets where it's a picture of him looking lovingly at Figment and it says, and who might you be? <laughs> he quote tweets this and says, for very stupid people, that's me, I'm the stupid person. When we film these things, the animated glory shirt isn't really there. <laughs> and scene. This is my crowning achievement. It's in my Twitter profile. It says, I'm the guy who got Eric Idle to say animated. Figment is an animated little glory Dude, <laughs> so funny. The whole story is hilarious from A to Z. And what I find funnier is that you've made it part of your identity <laughs> and your claim to fame so so far as to have like shirts made for it. Uh, yeah, buy the shirts. Yeah, go buy the shirts. I mean, that ride, sorry, attraction is unbelievably ridiculous. I mean, like, I don't know, three of the rides at Walt Disney World were some of like the most bizarre, weirdly themed things I've ever experienced in my life. Yes. And we have a theory about that because at Disneyland, it's so much smaller and the real estate is so valuable that, you know, it's not to say there, there aren't duds at Disneyland. There are, clearly. But <laughs> Walt Disney World, it's like, we have so much property. We're just going to keep building anyway. Why do we need to renovate this stupid building? We're just going to keep it. And I think this attraction is such a funny example of that. So for you <laughs> like to narrow in on that absurdity and then have <laughs> someone like him who's wildly famous and wildly successful i can't imagine a better person i know to have interact with you on twitter like so i really truly can't think of a better person than eric idol retweet your thing <laughs> so funny i was definitely honored and um i responded to him when he posted that and i said this is the best possible response to this i could have ever gotten and he liked that tweet so I'm taking offense that I'm a very stupid person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, wow. I would take zero offense to that. Coming from Eric Idle, I mean, yeah, he's proven that he enjoys pretty stupid things. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of journey into imagination, the ride's very contentious because it was one of the best rides at Walt Disney World before they completely redid it. Um, it used to be a very whimsical fantasy land, kind of huge opulent experience. And it was sponsored by Kodak. And that was when they were going through bankruptcy. And Disney asked for money to refurbish it. And Kodak declined. And Disney, Michael Eisner, basically said, Gorge, we'll just take Figment out. <laughs> and they completely take Figment out of the ride, uh, put Eric Idle in. Figment shows up in one scene and it's just like a picture of him at the very end and people go insane. And now you have the current version with Eric Idle plus Figment and people kind of hate it, but they kind of love it. It's a whole weird story. It was pretty funny. We hadn't been on it yet. And it, was it the last night we were there? It was. It was the last night we were there. We thought the park closed at nine. So 
at about 7.55, we're thinking we still got an hour. Park actually closes at 8. We had no idea. We go running into Figment. And no one is around, of course. We are literally the only people in the whole building. There's like four cast members standing there looking at us like, are you serious? Like they had to start the ride back up for us. We got on and we're thinking, there's just nobody there. And uh, turns out it's because the park was closed. By the time we got off of it, we tried to go over to test track and we're like, oh my God. <laughs> we we're such idiots. We had no idea we were actually done. Yeah. It was really funny. And there actually what's funny is there was another family that came running in right behind us and we were like, "Oh good, we're not the only people in here." Well, we were pretty darn close and they were they had to have been the last people on it. There's no way they were letting more people on. Yeah. But we got it in. Good. Well, I'm glad you got to experience whatever the ride is in its current state like an acid trip but yeah i can't even really like explain what that was i don't know i still don't know what it's about we just kept going what why vaguely about science huh <laughs> vaguely about discovery i don't know the, the original was all about anime imagination and they completely lost the point of it <laughs> yeah well what is figment like i don't know if i actually know the story like what? Well, why is like the fig your figment of the figment of your imagination? That's like... not the answer to my question, though, is it? No, like, it's what, not. What is he? <laughs> why is he? Why is that? Two tiny wings, eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer. What a lovable fellow! From head to tail, he's royal purple figment, and then voila, you have a figment. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Is a figment of your imagination, specifically the Dreamfinder's imagination, who is a beloved character that Disney killed in favor of Eric Idle. Wow. Oh, so there was someone else. Yes, yes. Who J Joe Rohde actually played the character in a lot of scenes for the image works after the ride. Oh, how crazy. Which you should look up there, Wild. Yeah, will do. <laughs> Joe Rohde, the Imagineer with... 100 earrings dangling <laughs> off his earlobe yes. that guy <laughs> yes but now he works for uh virgin galactic crazy god that guy man he's like what a creative dude he's been a part of some of the coolest things over there especially at walt disney world yeah my god like a lot of animal kingdom i yeah. think right right yeah nearly all of it yeah. he worked for disney for 40 years <sighs> 40 years <laughs> so insane John, what's your interest in like the history of the Disney company and the parks? I mean, are, are you like a, a student of Walt Disney and do you read books? Do you listen to podcasts about it? What's your involvement with that? I don't really listen to podcasts um, about Disney specifically, just because I like to keep all my ideas my own. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I definitely have read a lot on the history of of Disney and Disneyland specifically. Um, my interests are more in the parks than the movies, though I do like the movies. But yeah, I, I have a whole bookshelf of books. Ash just wrote up on the board and reminded us to not forget to ask you the most important question that we have to ask every guest, your favorite attractions. And that can be at any of the parks or all of the parks or however you want to answer that. If you could go right now, what would you hit first? The Haunted Mansion. It's the best ride. 
at Disneyland or Disney World? Uh, that's a hard question because the base ride at Disney World is better overall, but y'all have the Hatbox Ghost and Haunted Mansion Holiday, and, and, and we just don't have that yet. Or I think we'll ever, I don't think we'll ever get Holiday. It's a huge overlay. It takes them so long to put it up and take it down. Yeah. And I mean, that attraction is down for quite a while while they deal with all of that. So I wouldn't even blame them for not putting it up. <laughs> it is cool, though. It's really cool. I, I, I like Holiday a lot as a concept. It just, it's stupid that it's up during Halloween. Yeah, I agree. Haunted Mansion's already Halloween. It doesn't need a Christmas overlay. Yeah, it's it's weird though because it's a nightmare before Christmas overlay technically. So right. it's like, but yeah, I I I also agree, John. It's it is bizarre. You're like in the Halloween mood. Let's go to the haunted mansion, and then it's like Christmas trees and Christmas presents. <laughs> I would love to see it get its own attraction that was just like nightmare. Yeah, the yeah. whole year the same right. stuff. That would be cool. So, yeah. Anyway, so what are some other favorite attractions of yours? The classics, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's my number two. I, I, I could get granular and say Phantom Manor, Haunted Mansion Holiday, Haunted Mansion on the East Coast, West Coast. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, just the dark rides I like a lot. Yeah, I'm not too into the thrill rides as much as the dark rides. No. I don't know. I like them both. Like as far as the dark rides... When I think dark rides, often I think of Fantasyland. Not always, but kind of a majority of it. Do you think Fantasyland is better at Disneyland than it is at Walt Disney World? Or do you think the other way around? No, it's 100% better at Disneyland. Yes. Okay. That's not even a question. <laughs> we don't know how controversial that is because we, we're, yeah. we're brand new to this and we're very biased. So Yeah, it was one of the first. We're like, oh, this is not even as... It's not even close to as like magical or special or any of the descriptors you would use. <laughs> no, it's it it's still got that kind of pseudo fair theme as opposed to the kind of fantasy village. Yeah. What about the castle? I like Disneyland's castle better than Disney World's castle, even though it's smaller. I like that you can walk through it. It's cute. <laughs> but Disneyland Paris has the best cat castle hands down. It's so beautiful. We haven't been there in person, but just in pictures. It is so beautiful. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't yeah. wait. My castle parks go Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, uh, Magic Kingdom, and Disney World, and then Tokyo Disneyland's last. All righty. Well, is there anything else you want people to know about the account? Uh, is there somewhere specific you want people to follow you? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook, so follow me on all of those things. I'm most active on Twitter. It's just nonstop thoughts that come out of my head. I'll post like dumb memes about or comment on or retweet people. But yeah, you should check me out. Cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely plug you and uh, put your stuff in our show notes and all of that too. Awesome. Thank you. I have a fun game for us today. Mm. I just keep doing more and more games. I just can't help myself. I, I love, love it. Yeah, I yeah. love game time. Each of us are going to take turns being a film executive that's pitching an adaptation of a Disney cartoon or Disney film by a famous filmmaker. 
So I had a list of probably a dozen or so <laughs> famous filmmakers. And then I have a list of all of the animated Disney films. And You want to give them an example? One of the ones that we didn't pick. Yeah, some of the ones that weren't picked. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, Paul Thomas Anderson, Harold Ramis. Alfonso Cuaron, Coen Brothers. So, like, for example, Stanley Kubrick could have made Sword in the Stone. How, how would have Stanley Kubrick made that movie? And that's what we're about to so do. So that's what we're going to do. Yep. And we each picked three to start with. Yeah, we did draft pick style. So um, everyone got to pick one, one filmmaker and one film, and then we would take turns going around. So we each have three... Yep. sets with one alternate in case we get stuck or want to just keep playing okay yeah and i think the idea is we have like points we're trying to hit like try to describe what you see what you hear the vibe of the movie like how so-and-so would have made x movie mm-hmm. and for me i'm just really you're not try- anywhere yeah. near that so you guys are gonna have to help me as my um well we, we i may be like too. the executive producer yeah. but you guys are like assistants the okay. visionaries yeah yeah that's okay. So Ashley and I are complete like cinephile movie buffs. You're a pretty big movie fan too. I'm a big movie fan, but I don't know. I don't pay yeah. attention right. to the details about who's doing it yep. and what's happening really. Like, but you knew a few of these, so hopefully, yeah. I think you'll do fine. I knew more than half of the directors. I just didn't. Yeah, I, I have a hard time remembering what movies they've done, mm-hmm. so it's hard for me to remember like what the style is yeah. so i've done some quick research yep and here we go <laughs> i don't know what who's going first but who wants to go first uh um, producer i'm afraid you decide. of ash going first because hers is going to be so good yeah no kidding how about i, I know it's going to go be first good. to start a low standard because i'm an idiot <laughs> and then you guys can <laughs> go off that does that work go for it okay okay <laughs> So, so f- we're sitting in the room, and here's your pitch. What are you pitching to us? Yeah. Um, instead of just like a pitch, I'm doing like how this person would make the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I got just sort of a pitch. So the first one I'm doing, sorry, <laughs> I have some prep work. Okay. The first one I chose was if Martin Scorsese had made the movie Aladdin. <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with that. Dude, okay. Okay. <laughs> Neither did James, because when he picked it, he was like, and for some reason, Aladdin. Yeah. Okay. I'm a huge Scorsese fan. So for those who maybe don't know, he did Goodfellas, Casino, The Departed, a lot of like crime, kind of gritty, mean streets, that kind of stuff. Um, so we open <laughs> with a Rolling Stone song. Oh, my God. And it's this. Give Me Shelter by Rolling Stones, obviously. I have not prepared to this degree. No, me neither. Okay. We see a busy, modern, urban NYC street. This is a live-action version of Aladdin. And based in New York City. Okay. The mean streets of New York City. You see, like, the, the steam come up with the manhole covers. And I think you're just rewriting, like, Goodfellas or something. This is if Scorsese made Aladdin, Ash. Okay. So... We see Aladdin. Aladdin. Is he a street rat? He's a street kid. Okay. He's a street rat, and he doesn't want to buy that. Okay? <laughs> and you, you hear Aladdin's narration. 
overlaid with the Rolling Stones song you hear, okay? And he's like, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted three wishes from a genie. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he always wanted to be a sultan. Or, or yeah, that, that's probably better. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a sultan. Um, that's as far as I have it. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, that's really so that, good. That's basically it. A I lot love of, that. A lot of uses of like pop music. <laughs> Scorsese often uses the Rolling Stones, like old classic rock bands. Um, yeah. Okay. So a lot so, of narration too. Like a lot of you hear the character talking. Is the genie an actual genie or is he just a dude? He's an actual. No, it's all the same. Like it's all. It's like a reimagined, like there is a sultan of New York City. Maybe he's like the kingpin of the town. Okay. And there is an actual genie that can grant you wishes. What does he come out of? He he comes out of a lamp, but it's like a real lamp because it's live action. So it's and <laughs> not it's like, like a genie lamp, but like a like a living room lamp, like a <laughs> side table. No, no, like a genie lamp. Oh, okay, okay. But he's like a fat, disgusting, like mob boss looking genie. Oh. Is he like Balthazar from the Buffy episode? Oh God, not that bad. Okay. No, more like just like a, a fat ugh, New York gangster-looking guy, mafia. Ugh. Um, what is Apu or uh, Abu? Sorry, Abu. Um, is he a rat? You mean a monkey? Yeah, but is, he's not a monkey. There's no monkeys in New York City. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a <laughs> he's a giant, <laughs> he's a giant sewer giant rat, sewer rat. rat that hangs out on Latin's shoulder, <laughs> and they yeah they just run around New York City stealing things and like. You know, he's got a beanie on and stuff, and it's it's a little. The rat cult. does. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's got like a tattered up beanie. Okay. So that's basically it. Goodfellas with Departed. Mm-hmm. And a gross fat genie. Yeah. And a street rat. Yeah. Have you or a sewer rat? So you can let your imagination go from there. Okay. <laughs> that's my first setup. All right. Am I up next? Yep. Sure. Okay. Woody Allen. Oh no. Presents. <laughs> Pinocchio. So it's perfect. So, so good. It's so upsetting. What a scumbag. <laughs> Geppetto oh. is played by Woody Allen. Oh, no. <laughs> Opening scene is Geppetto at a workbench. He's building something. Is it a little Asian girl? <laughs> Close. We find out that he's building a daughter. Uh-huh. Oh, Surprise. my God. Yes. Played by Dakota Fanning. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's all I have. <laughs> and then does Geppetto marry that daughter? It's a very dark movie. Clearly dark. Very dark. I mean, but funny. Both, both in like, uh, it's actually visibly dark yes. as well. Because and content-wise. We're dark. not supposed to see too much. Right. And Geppetto <laughs> is like, uh, he's Woody Allen. He's like neurotic. Yeah. He's a little shaky. Yeah. He's talking constantly. Right. Uh, also, side note, Pinocchio, played by Dakota Fanning, mm-hmm. cannot speak. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Just how he At wants all. her. It's how just he wants her. a constant stream of Geppetto talking for the entire movie. And does she have strings the whole time? Of course. Yes. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, God. That, I mean, that movie would be insufferable to watch. <laughs> just Woody Allen's voice. Yeah. There and there's no music. Oh God! There is no score. Oh yeah. Oh God! And no other characters. It's black and white. Yeah. Very dark. Okay. Just Woody Allen talking for a 
hour and a half. And being real creepy with someone too young. Yeah, I mean, his daughter. So you... Just like real life. Right. We're huh. watching a documentary about Woody Allen right now, and it's horrifying. I couldn't not go there. You had to. You had I to. saw Woody Allen, and I was looking for the creepiest thing <laughs> he could possibly direct. Hey, his first name's Woody, though, right? <laughs> his first name is Woody. I mean, know? it's it's right there in the title. <laughs> My God. Oh, okay. Hey, Woody, can you... It doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> like Woody and Buzz? Yeah. Why... Okay, yeah. We'll get to that, Ash. Don't you worry. Oh, my God. You have Toy Story. I forgot. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Picture this. We're redoing Cars, but we're putting George Miller at the helm, (laughs) at the steering wheel of this project. Describe to people what are some of the movies George Miller has done. Well, aside from Babe, for some reason. But that's a weird one. And Babe, Pig in the City. Uh, Both he's, fantastic movies, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Sure, yes. Um, he's most famous for Mad Max, um, both the old and the new. And that's that's where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Clearly. So the visuals are very orange, blue, brown, kind of like the, the Fury Road. Yep. You know what I'm talking yep, about. I Dusty. know what you're saying. Dusty. It's, it's the, so it's Radiator Springs. So it's in the middle of oh, a desert. Perfect. So it's literally the same imagery as Mad Max Fury Road. Yep. Yes. Same. You can film it in the same location. This is live action. Yes. Live yep. action. Yes. Um, Cars. That's perfect. And so there's this Piston Cup championship that's happening. <laughs> and that's the focus of the movie uh-huh. for our characters. But our characters are hideously disfigured car people. (laughs) (laughs) Like mutant car people? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So they've been um, kind of doing a lot of like, uh, what is that, like um, amendments to their bodies over the years. Uh Uh-huh. So it's really futuristic. They've been, you know, adding like- Augmenting their body, yeah. Adding like um, like car parts to their function. Ooh. And so they're- yeah, they're monsters. Right. They're actual I monsters. I love this. I want to watch this. Yeah. Dystopian, like, post-apocalyptic world. Is that the vibe? Definitely. Definitely. And even the rundown town of Radiator Springs. I mean, you could see that being Easily. like a, a Fury Road, Mad Max, Thunderdome style, but cute, but cute. town. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he just, he learns the lesson all along that he doesn't really care about winning. It's the It's the fellow hideously disfigured car people he met along the way i love it and then it just sort of ends and then it just sort of ends fantastic (laughs) that is perfect yeah wow god that i want to watch that one yeah i think the most (laughs) wow definitely of the three we just pitched yeah i want to watch that one i I do want to see aladdin with an oversized street rat yeah on his shoulder i definitely don't want to watch mine I'm horrified by even thinking about it. See, I was thinking if I was like um, a financier of movies that I would not finance that. But Woody Allen's so rich, he would just make it himself. So yes. it's going to it's being subjected upon the world. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason Woody Allen has any sort of career is he just keeps buying his own movies. Yeah. Yeah. He's and he makes one a year is what we learned. <sighs> Most of them are absolute crap, by the way. Yeah. That's something a lot of people don't But some say. of them are really good. Some of them are really good. But there's good. too many and he's, he's awful. A creep. I mean, um, what's the, the rom-com? The... Annie Hall. Thank you. Perfect movie. That's great. Almost a perfect movie. What you got, James? Oh, am, I, am I up next? Yep. Okay. You're um, up to bat. Okay, so this next one is if Christopher Nolan 
made the movie Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A recap, Christopher Nolan did the the most recent Batman series. Um, what else he did? Memento. He did Inception. Mm-hmm. Interstellar. Interstellar. So kind of head... Cerebral. Cerebral. Epic. Epic. Sometimes sci-fi vibe. Uh, head garsh movies, if mm-hmm, you will. Mm-hmm. Head garsh. Okay. So the first thing we hear. Okay, ready for the first sound? <laughs> Wom. <Whoa. laughs> Is that, that a submarine repeats. underwater? It's actually called the Inception Foghorn. Yeah. <laughs> that just repeats on loop. <laughs> and it's zooming in, okay? And we see a dark dark ocean i mean black mm-hmm. and out of the deep sea <laughs> we see a little blue fish swimming towards us but you can barely see it and we hear her talking to herself <laughs> she's very concerned and she's she's asking herself a bunch of questions like who she is what her name is where did she just come from <laughs> she has all that tattooed on her hand yeah on her and fin. then as the light peers onto her more we, like a piercing like through the ocean and it illuminates this blue fish. We see something disturbing on her body. Tattoos. Scribbles. Handwritten notes. Fin written. Fin written. <laughs> fin written. And one of them, for example, is Nemo killed your father. <laughs> Don't trust Don't Crush. Trust. He's a liar. <laughs> and we come to find out that she can't remember anything past like 10 seconds. So she has to tattoo everything on her body everything that she's learned and gained in her life and then the movie just gets worse and darker from there (laughs) then it just sort of ends does she find nemo sure (laughs) but she doesn't remember (laughs) but she doesn't remember yeah oh god yeah no in fact it is very similar to the original story except there's a lot of deceit and nemo is like the anti-hero in this he's not a good guy (laughs) isn't he a child well he's also a fish you know what i mean yeah it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh okay. okay i like it it's a little upsetting yeah yep. it's for sure upsetting okay i like where you went with that the whole memory loss yeah memento yeah. well done okay all right next up we have uh peter pan brought to you by christopher guest <laughs> it's more of a mockumentary it's so good i love this ah. i already want to see it so what some movies that christopher guest has done Best in Show. Yep. Waiting for Guffman. Yep. This is Spinal Tap. Yep. And he's also the six-fingered man in... The Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, So Pete, as he goes by now that he did indeed grow up, is played by Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> perfect. Um, perfect. He, he grew up because he was hanging with Wendy too much. And this is live right. action? This is live action. Okay. So, you right. know, he kept going back to London to see that girl, and he grew up, and then he decided to go back to Neverland. So okay. he goes back to Neverland, and all the Lost Boys are still there, and they still don't have a mother. <laughs> so it's kind of like Hook. Yes. Yes. But mockumentary style. Right, and it's Jason Schwartzman, so it's hysterical. Hilarious, yes. Um, and uh, he legally adopts all of the Lost Boys. And this this film is more focused on the Lost Boys and their experience. Right. Um, a, a lot, lot of like talking to a the lot camera. of talking to yep. the camera interviews. 
uh, firsthand like, accounts of right. okay. what it was like when Peter left and was just gone for so long. And then he came back and, you know, all, all the stuff that happened to them while they were while they were alone. Again, pan the man again. Yeah. It's funny that I did Hook. I did the story of Hook. But not it's, intentionally. Not intentionally. I was it, absolutely hey, thinking of there's the, a reason for it. the Disney animated. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you're thinking like, of the the Disney animated Peter Pan? I was thinking Peter Pan. Peter Pan. I wasn't even thinking well, about Hook. Cr- you like reverse engineered it to yeah. be Hook. I did. I didn't mean to make it Hook. Well, I, I wonder it. if Hook, because Hook is live action. The difference is he wasn't with Wendy yeah. and right. Hook. Right. And they also didn't do like the office style talking to the camera no definitely not i'm imagining like shots of like the lost boys like doing chores around their treehouse right and then they kind of talk about what they're doing yeah Yeah. and they're all like just kind of idiots well and they never grew up physically yeah but they had to grow up because they were left alone so you know they kind of had to figure out how to survive on their own they learned how to cook Right, right. So it's a bit like Kristen Dunst in um, Interview with the Vampire, where she's physically just like a 12-year-old girl, but she's actually like... Exactly. She's 50. Trapped in the body of a 12-year-old boy, all these lost boys. They (laughs) have dreams. They have aspirations. (laughs) And it's funny. Yeah. Of course. But very dry. dry. But dry Uh funny. It's not like obvious funny. Yes. Oh my God, that's good. I want to see these movies now so bad. I know. Oh my god. I'm sold. Okay, Ash, you're up. Um this next one I have is probably the least fleshed out, but I still like it. Okay. Uh Terry Gilliam of Monty Python and all kinds of uh surrealistic druggy fantasy dark comedy fame presents Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um what are a few movies Terry Gilliam has done? Monty Python. Oh, did you say that? Yeah. Yeah, Monty Python. Uh, Brazil. Fear and Loathing. Fear and Loathing. Wacky. Wacky, fantasy-ish. Yep. Out um, there. Yeah, British humor. Yep. Kind even of though freaky. He's, even though he's not British, oddly enough. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's not actually the story of Winnie the Pooh. It's the story of the Winnie the Pooh ride. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Just a hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the the blustery day in the hundred acre hood. Mm-hmm. Um, same storylines. It's you know it's um, actually I am gonna make this. You said hundred acre hood. Yeah. Oh wood. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. That's a name drop. Our, <laughs> our friend hundred acre hood. Shout out. That's hysterical. Um, I was like, did she mean to say that? Did I hear that wrong? It's also the store outside of the hundred or the. Yes. Yeah. The right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know a lot about the plot yet. I'm just, I'm thinking visuals just only. Vibe. Yep. Uh, it's the blustery day. He gets carried away. Um, and I was originally thinking that this would all be in live action, but I take it back. It's going to be kind of a really trippy um, animated style. Like, what's the other, uh, the last Terry Gilliam movie with. Um... Not Tideland. No, not that one. That one's upsetting. Know. With God, Austri- the Australian actor. The yes, of Dr. Parnassus. The guy that died. Yes. Like, during that movie. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Thank yeah. you. Oh. That's sort of the same vibe, right? Where it's like yes. highly... Whimsical. Like, whimsical. 
mm-hmm. live action, but with a lot of um, like CGI and animation. Yeah, yeah, a lot like that. Um, it would have to be. Mm-hmm. All your classic characters are there. Uh, it's mostly focused on Pooh, of course. Um, and then I just want you to imagine the heffalumps and woozles oh, right. chamber of the ride and <laughs> the LSD drug trip mm-hmm. that that feels like. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of the, the movie. Yep. But with Terry Gilliam, there's always a twist of sorts at the end. It ends with Pooh, after his drug trip, being um, institutionalized in a padded room with a straitjacket on, on Winnie the Pooh. And then Christopher Robin, you see him in real life. He's the one that's in that situation. Perfect. Man, you know what else would be good for this one? Tim Burton. Yeah. Tim Burton would be good. Like more of the modern Tim Burton, you know, like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, the movies we don't like as much. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All those wacky Tim Burton vibe. Okay. Am I up? You're up. Okay. This next one, this is by far the toughest one I think I had and the least kind of fleshed out, but I'll I'll give it a shot here. (laughs) This is if David Fincher had made and directed Toy Story, the original Toy Story. Mm Mm-hmm. David Fincher, of course, did the movie Seven, Fight Club. He also made a bunch of music videos for A Perfect Circle and, like, a lot of rock bands. Um, So, like, look-wise, it's very, very, like, heavy, saturated, um, darker, like, almost like Cephia, you know, like, that kind of vibe. Sepia? Yeah, Sepia, Cephia, how do you pronounce it? I don't know how you, yeah. Actually, it's not, it's the opposite of saturated. That's what it would be. It'd be, like, blacks and grays and kind of gritty gritty Uh definitely gritty and we hear like heavy pulsing synth music maybe it's trent reznor and atticus ross like like (laughs) okay right that kind of vibe i'm feeling it okay and we're like we're zooming in and you see (laughs) you see a group of toys this is also live action so it's horrifying. A group of toys in a dark room, and they're clearly in a secret meeting setting. They're meeting about something. You don't really know what, because we're observing it. I'm imagining one of the like group therapy yeah. sessions from Fight Club. Fight Club. Yes, this is basically Fight Club. Okay. This is Fight Club. Let me... It's <laughs> Toy Club. Yeah, we're peering into something underground, if you will. Oh, okay. Like, we're not supposed to be here, but we're seeing this take place. We hear a toy dressed like a cowboy shouting to the other toys, Welcome to Toy Club! The first rule of Toy Club is, you do not talk about Toy Club! (laughs) The second rule of Toy Club is, you do not talk about Toy Club! The third rule of Toy Club, if someone yells stop, goes limp, or taps out, the fight is over. (laughs) He ran out of ideas there at the end. The fourth rule, only two toys to a fight. Fifth rule, one fight to a time, toys. (laughs) 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 Oh, so stupid. So it's horrifyingly dark. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And yeah, the toys have something to prove and they're going through something existential. Like, like, um, they don't really know why the other humans don't see them. You know, and they're trying to prove that to themselves. And so that's like... They have to fight it out. They have to fight it out. And they're not really sure, like, are they actually 
coming to life mm-hmm. it, are are there humans is it is it like an alternate personality kind of thing <laughs> are they tyler durden <laughs> are they not tyler durden <laughs> now i'm thinking of the movie toys with robin williams <laughs> yeah and that is creepy yeah someone who directed that one is that not terry gilliam no it could be could easily be him yep so that's um that's if david fincher had done toy club toy club, toy club. <laughs> uh it's a barry levinson movie really mm-hmm. weird I, yeah. And I sit here silently because I have no idea. He did Quiz Show, which I need to watch again. Yeah, that's a good one. Sarah. Okay. Okay. Are we doing more? This is the third this one. This is the third, yeah. So oh. you've just, you just you did, just your, did third. your third. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so for your information, I'm cheating and I'm using, I swapped two of my people. Excellent. I just needed to. Okay. So this is an adaptation of Brave. Um, you know, the story about the little Scottish girl mm-hmm. who loves her bow mm-hmm. and her mother turns into a bear. For some damn okay. reason. Yep. This is an adaptation that really focuses on the bears. <laughs> right. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. Of course. Yes. So the entire movie is actually growling. There are no <laughs> words. It's all in subtitles. Perfect. Um, there's a lot of blood. Yeah. And the entire score is Metallica. Okay. And that's it. That's well, all I've got. I love it. Yeah. That works. I actually wrote, really focuses on the bears. <laughs> and then I was like, what can I do with that? And you can Nothing. see like, Nothing. like shots of the bears walking towards you like Reservoir Dogs style. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And but, I'm imagining like the intro to um, uh, Inglorious Bastards where it's they're speaking in French to each other. Yes. 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 So, but they're speaking in growl to each other. Exactly. Right. The whole movie is just growling. <laughs> I love that scene so much. The uh, oversized pipe is so funny. That's such a great movie. <laughs> okay. My final pitch of the day is Eli Roth doing 101 Dalmatians. So Horrifying. Scary. And he did what? Cabin Fever, Hostel, The Green Inferno. He's in Inglorious Bastards, as mm-hmm. we said. Uh, Grindhouse. You get the you get the gist. I yeah. haven't seen a single one of those. Ugh. Sorry, guys. All dark. It's so upsetting. Like like a slasher mm-hmm. Grindhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, in my film, it is live action, and Dalmatia is actually an area in Croatia. <laughs> Because that's where that is. And it's and not it dogs. It's people. Oh, oh yes. No. It is a family oh, with their children. God, this is the best one. <laughs> it is their family with their children. And so he always has this like nice guy character. And the nice guy character in this is Cruella de Vil. And oh. she is, but her name isn't Cruella de Vil. It's something Croatian. Oh, okay. And she's friends with the family. She's like their godmother, you know, like she's uh-huh. like their their aunt kind of. Yeah. Um, all along, she's trying to abduct them for her human skinned coat. Yes. That she's going to make. Oh, I, I was hoping you were going put there the with this. On the skin. Oh, that's so good. That was horrifying. Um. So the kids get abducted. Yep. By 
the two henchmen. Because they have mm-hmm. soft skin. Yeah, and she of course. Wants that soft, soft skin. baby skin. It hasn't been tanned too much. For her it doesn't case. have scars. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so they go to Hell Hall, <laughs> her house, and they find out that she has, what is that? Um, well, they total 101 children. And she's Clearly. been taking them from various orphanages across Eastern Europe. Yes. Oh, dude, so good. So they're at the point where they're gonna. She's like, you know what? We're getting too much heat from these missing children. Get rid of them now. I need to make the coat. It's, it's gonna be several coats because there's a time. lot of them. Yeah, it's yes. time. So the henchmen are starting to do the killing. Maybe they get a few in. Mm-hmm. This is Eli Roth, uh-huh. right? And of course they do. There's actually a team of renegades instead of animals that are there trying to save all these kids. Um, <laughs> it's very, like, lots of violence, blood, gore, cursing, but it's super satirical and slapsticky. And, yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's about right. Amazing. That's that. I think that's my favorite one. Yeah. That's Child skin coats. Disturbing as <laughs> all hell. <laughs> we just created a whole new list of trauma. <laughs> well, the the original 101 Dalmatians is so horrifying. Yeah. I mean, just the, the original story is so horrifying. Yeah, you just swap that with, with children, like human children. <sighs> you got yourself a movie. You got, you got yourself, yourself a film. You got yourself coat. a film. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for those listening, let us know how you d- how we did. Um, what do you want to finance? What do you yeah, want to see? We immediately did. Yeah. Like, we purposely didn't spend a lot of time on this. We showed up. We randomly selected these. Ashley had the directors prepared and the the movies prepared, but we weren't prepared on like how to describe it. Which Not ones at to match. all. Not at all. So we just really should have done more homework. But hey, that's what you come here for. Mm-hmm. As as I say, spontaneity. Spontaneity. <laughs> <laughs> Just You're a, so spontaneous. It's a word in my head only. <laughs> I also said Nidalee instead of Natalie earlier today. So you did. Cool. Um, yeah. But this this is really just to inspire your own imagination. And if, you know, let us know, like, what would you do if Tarantino had made Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> or, <laughs> you know. That was on my list. Yeah. Watch Mermaid. it. <laughs> That's I mean, what I would God, do. God, you could really go far with this. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know if, if you have any ideas. We would love to hear them. Okie dokie. Now time for the weekly recommended content pick of the week from Disney Dependent. Recommend stuff that we like. <laughs> Segment. Segment. I'm going to go first, Producer Ash. Do it. Okay. So I just recently finished the audiobook um, by about Robert Iger, otherwise known as Bob Iger. Robert, I was reading, (laughs) Robert Iger. Obviously the former CEO of Disneyland and the name of the book is The Ride of a Lifetime, Lessons Learned from 15 Years as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. It's really, really good. Highly, highly recommend it. Like the amount of stuff he has to do in one day, like if you think you're busy, my god the guy woke up at like 4 a.m worked out first and then just went all day and he was so involved i mean he was like you know producer for all the new star wars movies he was part of disney plus they acquired pixar in his tenure they acquired marvel films lucas films he was a huge impact for disney 
And also, he was a really big proponent for the parks. And I think he'll go down as the best CEO for Disney, obviously, aside from Walt Disney himself. Do you have any, like, nuggets of wisdom from him? Yeah, I mean, like, like detailed, you know, entrepreneur stuff and how to how to be a good businessman and how to just be a good like moral person when you have power. Um, and he, he, he had a lot of power. I mean, they, they, they took over Fox entertainment, not Fox news, but like all the television rights and stuff. And yeah. Um, I guess one of the tips he talked about was, uh, just make sure you're like really prepared. You know, if you, if you have a client of yours, you're going to talk to, or a pitch you're making, just try to be prepared and respect people's time. And I think that he he did that. I mean, he like he single handedly got the Pixar acquisition because he became friends with Steve Jobs, and Steve Jobs was part owner of Pixar, and it was up to him to sell the rights or not. And Steve Jobs didn't like him. He didn't like Disney. He didn't want Disney anywhere near Pixar. He thought it was like the opposite of you know he saw Pixar as like a technology company only mm-hmm. and Bob Iger single-handedly just went out to lunch with him and went on walks with him and got to know him and here we are years later and it's, it's like a no-brainer now that right. Disney's putting out Pixar movies clearly at, belong together yeah at the time it, it didn't make any sense at all Pixar was like a very isolated Silicon Valley kind of company yeah interesting uh, yeah, what was the book called again Bob Iger the ride of a lifetime okay yeah Really, really good. Highly recommend it. I love that the like number one like moral of the story is to be prepared, and then that's just not what we do no, here at all. No, I it's it goes against everything I believe. Yeah, I mean that that's not like the number one nugget I took from it. He was just making a point that when you have a ton of power, especially to to not just you know get lazy, I guess. Well, oh, this is why we don't he's... have any power. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> This is why he's Bob. I- he's Robert Iger, oh. and we're us. Let me be very clear. I took like some nuggets of wisdom. Most of it was me just going, "Yeah, that's me. That's not me." Yeah, I'm yeah, not. Yeah, clearly not, not my wheelhouse. <laughs> this guy's a different person. Um, I have the lamest media wreck of all time in that it's already been done, and I don't have much to say about it. But uh, today's a Friday that we're uh, recording this. And I want to watch the new episode of WandaVision. And I just have yes. to say that WandaVision has been a kick in the pants. Yep. And it has been cuckoo bananas. I Man. have so much to catch up on. I've only watched the first two episodes. Oh, oh my God. I know. Oh, Lord. Things just keep coming up. And I it's... watched the first two without Josh. And now he has to watch them. So I think we have to just start it all over. Yes. And that's fine. I can do that. It gets bonkers. Yeah. I, I could tell at the end of the second episode that things like, were going to take going? a very different mm-hmm. turn. Mm-hmm. And boy, does it. Um, I hear that the last two episodes are longer, too. So I'm pretty excited saying that, that, but I don't know when that's going to happen. I think th- it starts with this one. <gasps> According to Philander Butler. Philander Butler? Yeah. Yeah. What a liar. Philander? <laughs> plaid vest wearing liar. Yeah, plaid vest wearing <laughs> <laughs> Why what? are we ripping on Philander now? I mean, we, love no, Philander. we love him. <laughs> I actually did just think of something that I want to recommend. Do it. I told them at the beginning that I did not have anything to recommend, but it just occurred to me that okay. I have a book. Um, wow, we're very like literary today. Hey, it was an audio book. Also, I to in my an audio book for yeah. me that I listened to <laughs> read while cleaning. Yeah. Um, I am really not a self-help kind of person, like at all. It kind of annoys me. So here goes. I'm recommending a total self-help book that 
I I would recommend to anyone. Um, but it's called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And I know that it's a pretty popular book. So a lot of people have already heard about it. And I'm probably late to the table here. But uh, it's great. It talks a lot about being vulnerable. And that is definitely something that I struggle with. So yeah, I recommend it. It's an easy read. It's not terribly long. I got it free from the library. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Brene Brown is like the Stephen King of self-help. She's prolific and people love her. Yeah. I've read her stuff. Awesome. She's great. It's very palatable. Yeah, it's very, she's very approachable in the way that she like explains things and mm-hmm. I wonder cool. if the mic just picked up my stomach growling because that was <laughs> insane it does every once in a while I've noticed that especially uh, your mic actually. if it yeah. did leave it in because it's great that was <laughs> you know that what? was impressive we're people and we have intestines I have a body and I need food sometimes <laughs> like right now and on that note all right hey thanks for listening to another episode of Disney Dependent see, see you real, real soon, soon. woo You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Disney Dependent. And you can send us an email at DisneyDependent at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Producer Ash. The logo is by Ryan Hatch, and you can find him at WR Hatch on Instagram. The music is by Ryan Knowles, and you can find him at Ryan Allen Knowles on Instagram. This show is mixed and edited by Deanna Chapman. You can find Deanna at Deanna underscore Chapman. And this has been a Team Dynamite Goat production. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll be back here next week.